Hi, thanks for uh, checking out our YouTube again. And I just wanted to bring another uh, just devotional thought today. Uh, you hear the noise in the background. Uh, that's my uh, train in my office, my N-scale train. Uh, when I moved in this office, Dick and Jan Horn, good friends of mine, put this together for me. And uh, Alice Jokey painted the background. And yesterday when I was doing my, uh, when I did this YouTube, I, my two-year-old grandson was watching it. He thought I was talking to him and he was talking back. But of course, that didn't work. But he was really excited to see the train and was saying hi to my train. So uh, you can say hi to my train. Whoops, yeah, just a little uh, uncoupling there. And we engines in the middle. So it's about time to turn that off before we have a derailment. So we will do that. Wanted to follow up on our uh, discussion and our devotional thoughts from Mordecai and Esther and the story of Esther. I just said I'd like to do a couple of the uh, key characters, just a couple of thoughts. Yesterday we talked a little bit more about Esther. And today, just a couple of thoughts about Mordecai, of course, who was a key character in this story. Esther's cousin, who actually uh, raised her. He must have been older than her, of course, after her parents uh, died. And even that act of taking on his cousin and raising her and sacrificing uh, as an act of, uh, well, act of sacrifice and service. But as, of course, the story developed, and uh, Mordecai refused to bow down and worship Haman. What's interesting is, it says here, that when, when he did this, that uh, it says in verse uh, 5 of chapter 3, when Haman, actually it's verse 5, when Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him homage, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews. What's interesting is, uh, up to this point, Mordecai had insisted to Esther she not tell the king or anybody of her ethnicity, that she was Jewish. He was protecting her. And yet for himself, uh, he made it clear who he was, what people group he identified with, and that's why he would not bow down and worship Haman, who was acting, asking for this uh, homage to be given to him. And so, of course, because of that, the decree was issued to destroy all the Jewish peoples we talked about. One other interesting note in chapter 3, at the very end of that chapter, when it says that the couriers were sent out to deliver this message, and then it says the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susha was bewildered. The whole city was up bewildered and trying to figure out what is all this about? These people have been living with us, our neighbors, friends, you know, I mean, they, they lived in relatively peace in this uh, empire at this time. Uh, what's this about? Why all of a sudden are they going to be destroyed and killed, uh, slaughtered uh, by the king's edict? But the next chapter, chapter 4, tells us of Mordecai's response to this. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. And then it goes on to say, In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and in ashes. We know from the Old Testament we see this tradition of uh, putting on sackcloth, which would be like uh, goat hair, uh, rough goat hair, uncomfortable garments, and then putting ashes on yourself uh, to, to show that uh, you know something unusual is going on. Some of the rabbis suggest there were really four reasons for this, uh, to do this. One would be for atonement, which we see connected with some of the holidays of repentance and atonement for sacrifice. Another way would be for mourning, for personal loss for mourning. Third reason for doing this would be supplication and prayer in times of crisis. And then finally, for uh, personal piety. 
seems to me in this case, the reason that they are doing this is for the supplication uh, and prayer in time of crisis. It doesn't actually even say in there that anybody prayed. I don't know if you noticed that. It just says that they they uh, put on the sackcloth and ashes. It doesn't say they prayed. But I think it's pretty obvious that that's the reason why they're doing this is to seek God's help. And it did remind me that, uh, again, as we are in these difficult times and every day we hear more news and uh, things are changing so fast and everything's sort of in a uproar right now in the sense that you know we don't know when we're going to be able to meet again as a church family we don't know when or if the kids will be back in school uh, when the restaurants will open uh, during this time again when people have lost jobs when there's uh, you know health concerns obviously and just a lot of things going on we as God's people should not be afraid number one to identify with God's people as Mordecai did he identified with God's people God's chosen people the Jews in the Old Testament context and he also uh, earnestly sought God's help, as all the people did, for deliverance. One of the uh, emails I get uh, from, from a rabbi in Jerusalem, and one of the things he mentioned was an important psalm, Psalm chapter 20, as he was calling upon everyone everywhere to pray. And in the psalm of David, uh, in chapter 20, uh, it, it begins, May the Lord answer you in time of trouble. The name of Jacob's God keep you safe. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. But then it goes on to say, and this was the verse that was highlighted, that in fact they asked that they would add this to their prayers that day. They call on chariots, they call on horses, but we call on the name of the Lord our God. And I think it's a time for us as God's people, as Christians, members of the church, the body of Christ, his family today, that we are willing to, to call on God earnestly earnestly to just spend time in the pray and ask the Lord to help those in special need right now to help bring this to an end uh, so we can soon get back to normal. It would be great for church families to get back together and to worship and, and celebrate as we do every Sunday, the Resurrection Day. Uh, we pray for our missionaries and those who are working in the gospel work around the world who are also now being impacted by this. And uh, we should we should pray. And we should pray that, that God would see us through this and that this would come to an end. I think that's perfectly appropriate for us as God's people. And we do so by identifying as his people, as Christians, Christ ones, who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And ultimately, our trust is fully in God. You know, the book of Esther has a wonderful ending. Uh, and, that's, and I want to just remind us, too, God knows when this is going to end. And uh, there will be some good things that will come out of this. Uh, I'm already getting some emails and texts from some of you that uh, some of the amazing things that, that, you, that are happening in your neighborhood and your families as the people reach out, as they help, as they, as they connect, they find new ways of, of doing things and connecting. And we as a church, we're finding new ways to connect with you. And our elders are really uh, helping out right now by, by calling on our flock. And uh, we're just you know trying to be creative. So there'll be some good things that come out of this. And just as this, this terrible time in Israel's history where they were about to be slaughtered and destroyed, and yet good things came of this. And one of the things that came out of this is it comes to an end. It says, Queen Esther, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm the second letter concerning Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews in the 127 provinces, words of goodwill and assurance to establish these days as Purim at their designated time. At the end it says, Esther's decree confirmed these regulations about Purim 
and it was written down in the records. Uh, actually, the name Purim also comes from earlier in the story when uh, Haman cast lots to decide what day he would accomplish his evil deed. Uh, the word for lot, pur, is where th this comes from, Purim, the Feast of Pur. And yet we see it for the first time outside the Torah, the five books of Moses, a festival is established in the Bible for Jews to be carried on. It has been carried on throughout throughout their history is a time of, uh, this is a celebration, like we mentioned last Sunday, a very celebratory holiday to celebrate God's redemption. And so likewise, uh, during these times, uh, let's look forward to uh, some good things happening, to God bringing blessings, to God teaching us all new things, to God enabling us to uh, our testimony to our friends and neighbors, to be refreshed and renewed, uh, to being creative. And let's look forward uh, to good things too, even in times of distress, as we earnestly seek God and pray and ask for his deliverance, ask for his help, and also ask for his guidance. The very end of the story, the very end, when it comes to chapter 10, is a very short chapter. Again, thinking of Mordecai and what we learn from Mordecai uh, from this lesson. It says this about Mordecai. Here's his legacy. At the end, it says, after the king, uh, the king made him uh, second in command, sort of like Joseph with Pharaoh. And he says he was preeminent among the Jews, and he was held in high esteem by his by his many fellow Jews, because he worked for the good of his people. And in the very last phrase, it says in the Hebrew, "Vat dovar shalom lecholzaro," and that is this: he spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. He spoke up for their welfare. He used his position of preeminence. He used his position of authority, not for himself, but he did it to serve his people. He spoke up for their welfare. And because of that, he is remembered and he is honored because of this. Good things happen at the end of this book. And again, I want to remind you, let's, let's continue to look to God. Let's look for his blessings in times of difficulty. Let's look to be like Mordecai, people who are willing to look out for the welfare of his people to help one another, encourage one another, continue our support for our ministries, for our church, for our mission work around the world, to be a light in our community, to pray for God's deliverance. And uh, let's continue to be people who truly are a people who walk by faith, not by sight, and are always willing to identify as God's people and to share his glory. And most of all, the hope of salvation, eternal salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, which brings us forgiveness for sins and the hope of eternity. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we ask again this day that you'll just continue to lead us, direct us. We do pray for your healing. We pray, Father, for uh, if it be your will that this would soon come to an end. We pray again for those who are having very difficult times right now. We pray for your, your hand of blessing. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us uh, to continue to look to you, look for new ways to share your love and your, and your mercy, uh, to be a light and to be a, be a positive hope, even in times of, of uh, darkness and despair for many people. Might we be that light that reflects the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we love, whom we serve, and uh, may he bless our ministry together. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks again for checking out with us today.